Welcome to The Well Podcast. We pray that this message ministers to you and blesses you as you listen. So I'm, I uh, don't know how to do this without the Word of God. So there's going to be a lot of words. So if you're a note taker, I would uh, say you're probably going to want to take some scripture notes and then dig a little deeper into this. If you don't, if you struggle to find things to study throughout the week, this is a good time to take notes on things that are said and then dig a little deeper throughout the week as well. So if that's an area in your life that you struggle with, that would be a really great way to do that. Uh, you know, it's, it, they say that it takes an average of at least three times for someone to hear something before they retain it. So if you ever want to memorize, remember someone's name, then you should say it three times so that you remember it. So it's good then to, to repeat those things so that you can store it in your, in your mind and in your spirit. Uh, so I'm going to take us to Exodus chapter 20. I'm actually going to pick up, Wade sparked a thought last week as he was as he was sharing. It's funny because I'll probably actually piggyback on Daryl the week before Wade and then uh, Wade last week. So we'll see how this all comes together. I do believe that God is speaking. I, I hear it uh, in our worship. I hear it in the, in the spirit. Um, like that sense of knowing where he wants to take us and that draw and that urgency to pull us there. And uh, on top of that, then sometimes our flesh wants to resist that move to a new, a new place or a new way of being. Um, so anyway, so I just, because of that, I feel a real urgency and a, and a drive to take us somewhere. Because I, I hear it and feel it in my spirit. So as you're turning to Exodus 20, I want to preface this message because um, by sharing a vision that I think I've probably shared with most of you. And I'm going to share it again because I just believe he's continuing to reveal more and more revel revelation about it. And uh, there was, I had a vision, and it was a two-part vision. The first part of it, I'm going to tell it in a condensed version. So if you want more of the details, I'll have to share those with you later. But the first part of the vision, there was this bowl, and in this bowl, there was a spigot, and that spigot was pouring water into this bowl at an extremely quick pace. It was flooding the bowl with water. There was so much water coming into the bowl that it was splashing out on the side. It reminded me of like an outside spigot when you turn that thing on, and it, there's no control. Like, there's just, that thing just sprays everywhere. If you're standing within three feet, it gets all over your legs. It's, you know, hot mess at my house. And, um, and that's what it reminded me of. Like, there was no way you could get out of the way of the water swirling into this bowl. And God spoke to me that it's acceleration. So that was a word that's been confirmed in the house. There's a spirit of acceleration, um, things that are happening quickly uh, in your life, in, in this house. I believe in this region, and as far as in our nation, there are pockets of fire, of burning ones all over the nation that are hungry for God, and I believe that he's breathing on those in a manner of speaking, in an acceleration. So the second part of that vision was of a hiker staring off at a mountain in the distance. He was dressed and ready to go up the mountain, and I heard God say, ascend the mountain with me. And so I went to scripture to find where that was at. And it's in Psalm 
24. I just love it when I have eight pages of notes and I have to scroll all the way to page six to find the passage of Scripture that I was not intending to start with. But here we are. So there we go. It says this, Psalms 24. I'm going to read 1 through 6. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. So we do not belong to ourselves. We belong to the Lord. Okay? Um, For he laid the earth's foundation on the seas and built it on the ocean depths. Who may climb the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Only those whose hands and hearts are pure who do not worship idols and never tell lies, they will receive the Lord's blessing and have a right relationship with God, their Savior. Such people may seek, may seek you and worship you, worship in your presence. O God of Jacob, Selah. And that means to take a pause. So, I want to go back up to Exodus. The reason that I want to lay that foundation is because God is continuing to reveal to me exactly what that means. Because it says real clear there that, you know, pure heart, clean hands, um, you know, all these things. There's like seven of them. And I just keep writing them out every time. Like I'll read that passage of scripture again and I'll make that list again. And I'm like, all right, Lord, I see what you're saying. If we're going to ascend this mountain, then this, this is the people that we need to be. And there's this interesting thing about that because um, Tuesday night we were talking about, we were talking about um, new wineskins. So turn with me to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 5. And I want to read this to you. Then they said to him, why do the disciples of John fast often and make prayers, and likewise those of the Pharisees, but yours eat and drink? And he said to them, this is Jesus, can you make friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, then they will fast in those days. See, the bridegroom is all about a feast. He likes to feast and enjoy himself. So we need to learn to feast. Not that we don't need to fast, but he's saying, if you're sitting with me at a table, I expect you to eat. Okay? All right. Then he spoke a parable to them. No one puts a piece from a new garment to an old one. Otherwise, the new makes a tear, and also the piece that is taken out of the new does not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, or else the new wine will burst the wineskins and be spilled, and the wineskins will be ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins, and both are preserved. And no one, having drunk old wine, immediately desires new, for he says, the old is better. I think that last statement is very interesting, because sometimes when we taste something that's really intended for us to be new and to bring life, we're like, "Ah, I really like the old. Like, I like my mama's fried chicken. I don't really like your fried chicken. There's nothing wrong with their fried chicken. But, you know, it's like you've been feasting at one table and you've been feasting on scraps. And all of a sudden you have access to all that there is, but you're like, eh. I don't know. So I think that's very interesting, um, that part of it. 
And so as we think about ascending this mountain, we could, much like this passage of Scripture, that one of the things that stood out to me so much was the whole part about taking, having tattered, a tattered garment and then putting a patch on it. And how so much of that we do in and of ourselves, right? That's what's happening there is that, oh, I got a tear. So let me cover that up. I'm going to take a piece of a garment. I'm going to place it over that tear. And then it's going to be better. But what scripture says is that it won't hold, that it will tear again. The reason is, is because we're doing that with our own hands. Where this wineskin that he wants to renew, that's, that's the process that God wants to take us through. That he wants to renew our wineskin. And to renew means to be take something that is old and returning it to its original design or purpose. So we go through a process of renewal with the Father. And so we are just like those old wineskins. And when those old wineskins get old, they get really dry. And they will no longer be able to hold the wine that is poured into them. And it will spill out. It will be cracked. Because if you've ever seen, these would have been made out of leather, for our context. And so if you've ever seen even leather seats in a car, if they have not been conditioned, then they will get dry and cracked. Anybody ever seen that happen? Have you had a leather coat that will do the same thing? It'll get dry and cracked. And so what would you need to do to that to renew it or preserve it? You would need to oil it. Right. You would need to oil it. So the process of renewing a wineskin is that dry wineskin is dunked into water. It is submerged into water. Just like us, we need to be submerged in the living water of Jesus Christ. And as that is submerged, that dryness begins to absorb like a sponge. If you've ever had a, you know, if you do dishes... You got that dry sponge sitting on the counter, all, it's dry, it's hard, like it's hard and crunchy, and you put it in water, and it begins to absorb the water, and it becomes pliable and movable, which is a beautiful thing. It gives it life. It's not just hard and crusty and dried up, but it gives it life, and so after it's been submerged like that in water, then oil is applied to it, the oil of the Holy Spirit is applied to it, and it is saturated then with that oil, and it permeates the outside of that wineskin and the inside of it so that then it will be able to expand when it needs to, to contain what's being poured into it. And that's the process of renewal. So when it says new wineskin, it's actually not talking about a brand new wineskin being made. It's B, it's a process of renewal that's taking place with that wineskin. It's taking it from the condition that it was in and returning it to the condition that it was designed for. Praise God. And that's a picture of us, that we should be like that old wineskin going through the process of renewal so that we can allow ourselves to then expand and grow as new wine is poured into it so that we can hold the new wine. Because if we're not allowing ourselves to walk through the process of renewal, then we cannot hold what's being poured in. 
It will leak out. Just like if we are putting a patch over something that God is trying to actually expose in our life, oftentimes we'll want to cover those things. And so there is this constant process of renewing that's taking place inside of us, in my opinion. So this idea, which we actually, it's, uh, we hold this truth to be self-evident. I'm just kidding. I'm teaching a government class. It's all about the Constitution, so I apologize. <laughs> Started to quote the Constitution. Um, anyway, but it is true that in order for us to be able to uh, take in all that we need, we have to allow him to do that renewal process in our life. And it is not about us just saying a prayer and getting our name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. It's so much more than that. It's so much more. It's a constant renewal. He's constantly pouring in, and we are constantly allowing the process of renewal to take place in our life so that we can hold what it is that he wants us to receive. So how many times do we get to that place where we're like, well, this is just far enough for me, right? We do get there. We can find ourselves in place of complacency or just like, not today. I just really don't want, you know, no more stretching for me. Anybody? (laughs) Because it hurts sometimes. It's uncomfortable to be stretched. It doesn't always feel very good to go through that process. I mean, if you're being dunked in water, submerged in water, it's not going to feel really great, right? At some point, you're going to be like, help. But it is that process of dying to self. It is that process of us being willing to die to self so that then he can take our vessel and do with it as he pleases. It's so interesting because probably in the past six weeks, we've talked about the refining fire, which is a process of renewal. We've talked about the plowing and the tilling of the ground, him removing the things from us that need to be removed. Daryl walked us through the whole book of Romans. I'm just kidding, not exactly, but you know, almost. First seven chapters. (laughs) And it's just very, if you're not hearing what he's saying, he's trying to speak pretty loud and clear. He's wanting, us, he's wanting to take us from an old mindset and an old way of thinking into a new way of being, this new process of renewal. And so it's interesting that he took me to the Old Testament for me to show you this. So now let's go to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20, verse 2 says, I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. He did not say you are the Lord your God. He said, I am the Lord your God who rescued you. He rescued you. You didn't rescue you. That's the first thing we need to know. And he rescued us from slavery and bondage into freedom. Can I get an amen? All right. Because it is he that does the work. He that does the work in us, that pleases him. Not us that do the work. He rescued us. He said it right there. He's just like, let me just lay this out for you right now. I did it. I rescued you. It wasn't Moses and it wasn't Pharaoh that let you out of Egypt. It was me. I made a way. I rescued you. That's the first thing we need to know. 
And so later on in Exodus 20, he gives the Ten Commandments. And I'm, I just want to say that he gives Moses the Ten Commandments. That's what's happening. Moses is up on the mountain. Moses went up on the mountain. Wait, now I, I trivia because, you know, he likes to know all things Exodus. So I'm stepping on his toes today by preaching out of his book. <laughs> but I'm totally doing it. <laughs> and so I was testing him yesterday. I was like, well, how many times did Moses go up that mountain? <laughs> Moses went up the mountain eight times, just so y'all know. I'm not going to tell him what you said. <laughs> anyway, um, so, so Moses has gone up the mountain again. He's been given the Ten Commandments. Shh. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh. He gives him the Ten Commandments, but here's the tricky part, is that we're always looking, what shall I do? What did the rich young ruler say to Jesus? What shall I do to inherit eternal life? And so just like the Israelites, they've now been given this set of standards to which God wants them to live their life by. And the, the risk that we run in doing that is that it becomes about our doing, the patching, the covering, and not about him walking us through the process of renewal. So there's a thing happening in the house, I believe in the kingdom, but there's this paradigm shift that's trying to take place in our understanding that this is really life-giving and freeing. When we begin to realize it's not about me making myself clean, but it's allowing me to let God walk me through the process of renewal. And so in Exodus uh, verse 18, it goes on to say, When the people heard the thunder and the loud blast of the ram's horn, and when they saw the flashes of lightning and the smoke billowing from the mountain, they stood at a distance, trembling with fear. And they said to Moses, You speak to us, and we'll listen. But don't let God speak directly to us, or we'll die. Don't be afraid, Moses answered them. For God has come in this way to test you, so that your fear of him will keep you from sinning. As the people stood in the distance, Moses approached the dark cloud where God was. I find this, this is the part of Wade's message that stood out to me last week, and he just barely touched on it, but it has just gone over and over in my head. The fact that they were like, you just go ahead and go on up there. You just go ahead and ascend the mountain. And we'll just wait down here and you just come back and tell us how it's all going to be. But see, because they weren't willing to have their own encounter with God, they weren't willing to walk with God. Because it's not all that long later that they're like, come on, Aaron, just build us a golden calf already. Because they were unhappy. Because they weren't willing to ascend the mountain. They weren't willing to go. But you just go ahead. And that's not what he's called us to. He has not called us to just send a messenger up the mountain to receive the word of the Lord and then to come down. But he's called us all to ascend the mountain. He wanted them to come up the mountain. God wanted to encounter them. But they were not willing to go. They were like, uh-uh, all that thundering and lightning and all that. I'm not billowing clouds and smoke and I'm just going to stay right down here where I'm comfortable, right? But it's not life-giving because what happened with the Israelites, the whole Old Testament, God's after their heart. He's just after their heart. He's like, come to me. 
I'm, I want you. I love you. Just come to me. And all they were like, how many more rules can we make to live by? 613 possibly? And maybe that'll be good enough. That'll be good enough. Why do we work ourselves so hard? So then Tuesday night, I could hear in my spirit that this phrase of, um, don't just do it. He's not looking for us to do it. He's looking for us to be it with him. It's not about our doing. It's about our being. It's about our being. Being with him. Going up the mountain. Ascending the mountain with him. Going to that place that's uncomfortable. Have you ever been in a situation where you're like watching and the glory is happening all around you and you're like, yeah, that's just good enough for them. I'm not touching that. Has that ever happened to you? Like you're just standing off at a distance. And then there are, I'm sure others of you, they're like, I'm running to that mountain. Like I'm getting, I'm getting my portion of that. But I think for a lot of us, it's like, would you just tell me, tell me what I need to do and I'll do it. And God is just saying, would you just come be with me? Would you just come be with me? And I will do it. He will. He will. I shared this on Tuesday. And I guess I can quit saying that. But for those of you that were here Tuesday, some of this is a repeat. And I hate to repeat myself because, but here it is, right? Three times. You got to hear something three times so I don't have to say that anymore. I can just lay that down. It can just feel like new. There came a point in my life, look, I was raised in the, I call it the old church, although I'm not old. <laughs> Thank you, Valerie. Um, I was raised in the old church, been saved all my life. My name was written in the book, but I lacked a lot of relationship and a ton of understanding of who God was. And it wasn't until many, many years later that I caught the revelation of God's love. That was the first thing that began to transform my thinking. And that wasn't something that I did on my own. I didn't teach me about God's love. I experienced it. I experienced it. And it transformed my thinking. Because that's who he is. He is love. And we can hear about agape love because Daryl likes to hammer that one home, right? Because it's a great message. It's life-giving. And we need to hear it but we need to experience it because it changes the lens to which we see God. I was the girl that was raised in church that feared God, all right? I had that part covered, but it had nothing to do with reverence. It was, he could just smote me at any moment or turn me into a pillar of salt and I strike me with lightning and I'm out of here. And if things aren't right between he and I, if I disobeyed my mama earlier today, I'm gonna find myself standing in judgment in hell. That's where I'm going to end up. Anybody raised in that kind of church? Just, all right. Grace is a beautiful thing. <laughs> and understanding of who Jesus is is a beautiful thing. And I was so sin conscious all of my life that there was no way I could see the goodness of God. God was not a good God to me. He was a fearful God. I, he was to be feared. And the best thing I could do was just to not close my eyes at night until I had prayed for every person I knew and every sin I had committed that day, in my opinion. Because if I died in my sleep, I wasn't going to get to enter into heaven if I had not 
been forgiven because he was constantly keeping a record of my wrongdoing. That's sad. But that is not who he is. It says that he has cast my sins into the depth of the sea. They're never to return again. And so if our perspective on judgment day is that we're going to stand before a God of a judge that's going to open up a book about every sin that we've committed, I believe that that is not true. And I free you from that thinking. Because he has already judged that sin. And that is no longer a part of me. So now I'm no longer sin conscious because he freed me from that. I can be heaven conscious. I can be God conscious. And I can live my life pleasing to him as I allow him to walk me through the process of renewal. Renewing my thinking. Renewing the way I think. Being transformed by the renewing of the mind. And that's what he's called us to do. And so we have to be like Moses. We have to be willing to go up the mountain. We've got to be willing to go where he wants to take us. There's a reason he doesn't want us to stand down here and look up there. But he's telling us to come up here with me. We move from glory to glory, the higher place. He wants to take us to the higher place. Always, over and over and over in Scripture, he talks about the higher place. Whether it's... um, Mount Sinai or Mount Zion, he's calling us higher. He's saying, don't stay down there with the Israelites. Don't let somebody else go up the mountain and hear from God for you. I've got a word for you, specifically for you, Rob, to penetrate your heart that's going to transform your situation. But you got to go to the mountain. you got to be willing to see the face of God. So it goes on to talk about an altar. In Exodus 20, verse 22 through 26, it says, And the Lord said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel. You saw for yourselves that I spoke to you from heaven. Remember, you must not make any idols of silver or gold to rival me. Build me an altar made of earth. I thought this was so interesting, and this is just my (laughs) interpretation In my understanding of this passage of scripture, but that's telling me that he wants an altar built of something that he has made, not something that our hands have created. Do you get it? Never intended for it to be about our creation, about us building our own selves up. And it goes on to say, And offer your sacrifices to me, your burnt offerings and peace offerings, your sheep and goats and your cattle. Build my altar wherever I cause my name to be remembered, and I will come to you and bless you. If you use stones to build my altar, use only natural, uncut stones. Do not shape the stones with a tool, for that would make the altar unfit for holy use. And we want to wait till we feel worthy to enter in. We want to wait till we feel worthy to ascend the mountain of the Lord. But yet he's saying, don't touch it. You let me touch it. Let me mold it and shape it into what it's supposed to be. You bring it to me, the thing I've created, and I will create with it the vessel that I've intended it to be. 
He said it from the very beginning. He didn't even have to wait to Jesus to bring that to us. He tried to set that up in the very beginning. And it says, do not, go, uh, do not approach the altar by going up steps. Um, and it goes on to say, if you do, someone might look up underneath your clothing and see your nakedness. That's just this particular translation. I did put a side note in there and say, I'm not so, uh, so sure if that translation is exactly accurate in that particular version, but that's what it says. And you do have to understand the customs of the time. So. But I do want to talk about the, old, the altar. And the altar, it said, when you build an altar, and it talks about going up to the altar. It was also a place that was elevated where the altar was placed. And I think that's really significant because the altar is the place of um, loss and gain. So you're laying something there as a sacrifice, but he's also in return giving and feeling in that same situation. So we're laying down the ways of old, and he is at the altar renewing us into a new way of being. And remember that renewal means to be made like new. I could share with you the Greek. I don't know how to pronounce the word, but it's in my notes. Thusiaterion is the word for altar. <laughs> but the meaning is a place of slaying, a place of killing and destroying, and a place of burning. So when we, we sing about coming to the altar of the Lord, it is a place where we lay things down and we allow them to be burned up so that they cannot return to us. There's also an incense that's released from an altar, which I actually love that part because I feel like our life is an incense that we release out of our devotion and our love for God. Our worship is an incense. Our prayer is an incense that's released. Our worship is not just the worship that takes place here, but it's how we live our life. We can live our life as a worship, and we can lay that on the altar, right? Because it says that in Revelation that we'll take our crowns, and we lay those at the feet of Jesus. So all the things that we're building, it's really all for him. And if we build with that perspective, we'll build with a different motive. I want to talk about God being a judge just for a minute because I know that I talked about my personal experience but there's something about God's judgment that causes us, because we hear that a lot, well, God's going to judge that, those people. We always want God to judge people, don't we? We're always like, let God judge them. You know, <laughs> I don't know, it's really, we're harsh. <laughs> but what God, what I believe God is judging is the things that don't line up with his design, with his, his original intent for those things. And he judges those things. He's not judging you as much as he's judging the things that are an abomination to the image of God. Is that, an, you understand that? And the reason that's important is because if not, then we will become much like we can be sometimes in relationships where we want to hide all the things that we think are unclean about ourselves. Instead of us being able to come to the altar and just lay in our mess out 
and being like, well, this is my sacrifice today and it don't look very pretty. It looks like a bull or a goat that's been slaughtered, right? But this is what I have today. And he's judging that thing and he's perfecting. He's perfecting it and he covers it with his blood. And he takes all of our mess that we have felt judged by and he's taking, he's saying, I'll take all of that and I'll remove it if you'll allow me to renew you into a vessel that I can use, that I can work through. So he comes to judge sin and disease and destruction. That's what he comes to judge. He's not looking, he's not looking to punish you. Um, And if you have read Culture of Honor, the book, it talks a lot about how we live in a culture where we want to punish people. Like, that's what we want. Well, you did me wrong. Punish them. Right? (laughs) That's what we want. The more we can punish you, the better we feel. But that's not what God intended. He's, he's not that kind of judge. If you read the book of Judges, uh, the, the judges were used as a place of helping to, to bring things back into right standing. That's what the judges were used for, to turn things back to their right standing. So we use our own Western thinking and our own court system and our own understanding of what judgment looks like here and the way we're judged about things, when that's not kingdom judgment. That's not the way God judges. He's not looking. He's actually, he actually doesn't want to send you to hell. Like, that is not your final destination plan. He's actually doing everything he can to keep you from that place. He was so willing to do that that Jesus was willing to die to keep you out of there, out of that place of judgment. But yet we keep wanting to try to find our way there. He just wants to get us back in right order. And that's a very simplistic summary of the book of Judges. Okay, so let's recap. Renewal is the process of returning something old back to its original purpose or design. This is is the process of renewing our thinking, that it has to line up with him, not him lining up with our idea or construct or confines of who he is. And that's a big shift, right? Because, Because as human beings, we want to understand things based on our experience, based on our perspective, based on our understanding. But what he's trying to do is renew us back to original design. And so we have to allow him to renew our mind and not confine him to the parameters of the way that we think and the way that we see things. Because his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And we have to recognize that. Not in a way that that makes us menial or insignificant or not important, although he is more important than we are. But it is for us to understand that we cannot confine him to our way of thinking. We have to transform our thinking into the way he thinks, in the way that he sees. And I believe that he is trying to align us into that perspective. 
And I do believe it will change the way we enter into worship, the way we spend our time with him, the way our lives look. When we become less sin conscious, this is not a license to sin, which I know we like to use that very churchy kind of terminology. I'm not talking about sin. If you've got something to lay at the altar, if there's something in your life that keeps you from being able to draw close to God, he wants to burn it up. And he wants it gone. He's not looking for you to stay in your sin or in those things that trip you up or that kind of thing. But I will tell you that if you will ascend the mountain, if you'll go to him, you won't draw back, then he will begin to transform your image into an image that looks like him because that's how he created us as image bearers. So I am by no means telling you that sin does not exist, but I am telling you that there is a place of freedom that he desires for us to live where it is not about our sin as soon as we wake up in the morning and every time we lay our head down at night. Because in Hebrews chapter 12, I'm going to need my Bible. And I'm going to read it out of the Passion Translation because I want to. It says this. Actually, the title of this section of Scripture says, Entering into God's Presence. And I love this because he recaps what we were just talking about. He says, For we are not coming as Moses did to a physical mountain with its burning fire, thick clouds of darkness and gloom, and with a raging whirlwind. We are not those who are being warned by the jarring blast of the trumpet and the thundering voice, the fearful voice that they begged to be silenced. Can you imagine? They can't handle God's command that said, if so much as an animal approaches the mountain, it is to be stoned to death because no unclean thing could, he wanted to burn all that up. He just wanted them to come as a holy sacrifice. The astounding phenomenon Moses witnessed caused him to shudder with fear and he could only say, I am trembling in terror. By contrast, this is, if you're contrasting something, It's almost the opposite of, to contrast. Contrasting colors, it's like on the color wheel. Here's the one color. The opposite side of the color wheel is the contrast. All right, thank you for that confirmation, Frederick. (laughs) Yeah, yes, you do, right? That's your business. By contrast, we have already come near to God in a totally different realm, the Zion realm. Zion is the mountain of the Lord. That's where he dwells. He dwells in Zion. That's where he is. For we have entered the city of the living God, which is the new Jerusalem in heaven. What? The new Jerusalem. We've entered into the, I thought I was waiting like for new Jerusalem to come and be established on the earth. I mean, I'm just saying, this is telling me I've already entered into the new Jerusalem in heaven. We have joined the festal gathering of myriads of angels in their joyous celebration. And as members of the church of the firstborn, all our names have been legally registered as citizens of heaven. Where are we citizens? Of heaven. When you are a citizen of somewhere, you have full rights, full rights. We have full rights and all access to heaven. 
And we have, we have come before God who judges all and who lives among the spirits of the righteous, who have been made perfect in his eyes. He has judged us and found us perfect in his eyes. And we have come to Jesus who established a new covenant with his blood sprinkled upon the mercy seat. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Blood that continues to speak from heaven forgiveness. A better message than Abel's blood that cries from the earth justice. But it speaks from heaven forgiveness. Forgiveness. Can you just receive that for yourself today? You did not do this in and of yourself. But he said, I brought you out of slavery. I brought you out of slavery. Why do you keep wanting to live there? I've given you full access to heaven. Full access. You are a citizen of heaven. I have a note that says stop here. So I'm going to stop there because I was probably smarter than that moment. You are not intended to live in this place where you're constantly thinking about what a bad person you are. But you should instead live in a constant place of renewal, like that new wineskin. We need to allow him to continue to renew us. And how? You're like, okay, it all sounds really good, but how? How? Well, Matthew 6, 33 tells us to seek first my kingdom. Seek my kingdom first, and all the rest will be added unto you. He is constantly calling us up the mountain, calling us higher, calling us to a place where we no longer have to be so focused on how we are not worthy and we can't approach the mountain. And he's saying, just come on up here. Come on with me. There's a very interesting part in um, further into uh, Exodus. And it talks about one of the last times that Moses goes up the mountain and God tells him to bring Aaron. And then he says, God names Aaron's sons in the verse. And he says, bring Aaron's sons too. And the 70 elders. And Aaron was a Levite. He was of a pre, the priestly tribe. And I think this is a beautiful picture of the understanding that we should have of fathers and mothers in the kingdom and how it's not just about us going up for ourselves into the presence of God, but God's wanting us to bring the next generation It's not just for us. But every time we ascend that mountain and we step into the presence of God, and every time we allow renewal to take place in our life and our vessel begins to contain more of the new wine that then manifests itself in our life, it's not only breaking the stronghold over our own life of sin and death, but it's speaking life to the next generation. Not only was Aaron of the priestly tribe, but we are as well. Priest, a holy nation, a royal priesthood. 
is what scripture says. That is who we are. And this next revival, which also means renewal, revival means renewal, which revival is not in scripture, but we like to use the word a lot. But it is about reviving. And we have to allow ourselves to be revived. We cannot let just Moses, don't let a messenger go up the mountain for you. There is nothing, I mean, there are very few things that are good left over. I can think of a few sauces are really good when they've sat in the fridge for a little time. They've had some time to marinate. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) Yeah. But there are very few things that are not best when it's piping hot and ready to eat. And the best information, have we all played this? Well, we used to call it, what do they even call it now? They used to call it the telephone game. I don't even know what they would call that now. Where you would say a phrase to one person, and then you would whisper it to someone else, and then to someone else, and then by the time it got back around, it'd all be funny to see what it said at the end, because it never sounded anything like it did in the beginning, because the source that had given the message is not the source that's now delivering the message, because the last person didn't get the message from the source. So while it's rhema for me, and I relieve it, release it as such for you, until you take it to the Father and allow him to breathe on it, it's not going to activate in you the same that it has with me. So not only was he telling me to ascend the mountain, but he was saying for us to ascend the mountain with him and to allow him to speak to us as a body, individually. Because the flame that you carry, I actually need. It is of my benefit that you burn as bright as you can. So I need you to renew. You need me to renew. And see, there are pinnacle points. And I don't know if that's the right word. Maybe plateau areas. Because when you're reading in Exodus about Moses, and I'm getting to the end, so just... Hang, hang on to your seats. Actually, don't hang on, because if we're taking off, y'all don't want to stay. I'm just telling you. But there are, there are levels on the mountain, because there are some places in the passages in Exodus that talks about Moses ascending. It says that he ascended, but then it says again, he ascended into the cloud. And when he got the tablets that were written, The Ten Commandments, it says that he went up into. But before that, it says he spent seven days on the mountain. And then it says he went, ascended up higher into where the cloud was wrapped around the mountain. And he spent 40 days and 40 nights there. So that tells me that we can choose how far up the mountain we want to go. And when I first saw the vision, I thought that hiker was going to go straight up the side of that mountain. What's that called when you go straight up? Like, I expected more from you. There was your moment and you missed it. (laughs) But here's the thing, and Daryl shared this probably a month ago. He was talking about when he was in the Marines, and they'd have their packs on, and they weighed a lot of weight. I don't remember how much, but it was a lot. And he said that those drill sergeants would yell at him 
while they were ascending the mountain. And they would stand down at the bottom of it and think, there's no way I'm going to get up there. But as they started making their way around the mountain, before he knew it, he looked down. He was like, "Ah, well, look what we did. And I'm one of these people, I don't really enjoy the journey. Like on a road trip, if it's past about five hours, I'm kind of done. I just want to get there. And, you know, people are like, oh, just enjoy the journey. No, I looked at that mountain when he showed it to me, and I was like, I'm going straight up that thing. Straight up the side of it. But see, there's some of us that kind of need to go the long way up the mountain. But it doesn't mean that you're not ascending the mountain. Just because you may be going around the mountain, you're still moving up in elevation. And all of our paths look just a little bit different because there are just things that he's got to work out in us as we ascend that mountain. And that's okay. We just keep moving up the mountain because he's calling us higher. He's calling us higher. So will you stand with me? Don't be hanging on to your seats. Can we sing, show me your glory? Um, Kathy's not here today, but she shared this. And I've seen, um, you know, a lot of times, well, I think it was Gold Rush. They had to go across this big mountain to get over into the valley where they would look for gold and they had to cross over this big mountain. And back then, I don't think that they climb mountains this way anymore. Really high mountains, you know, like Everest. And I want to say Kilimanjaro, but I don't know if that's a big mountain. (laughs) But they would tie rope around their waist. And then if somebody was coming up the mountain with them, they would tie rope up. Because if one were to slip then the others would be able to carry the weight of that person, that they wouldn't fall all the way down the mountain and die. But that they they would be linked to the ones around them, would be able to carry them when they're not strong. And so Kathy was saying that sometimes we just need to wrap that rope around each other and we need to help each other ascend the mountain. And I feel like that's what I'm here for today. Is that you may be like, I'm kind of tired. I don't really want to climb the mountain. (laughs) But if we knew what was at the top, it wouldn't even matter. It wouldn't matter. But because we are the body of Christ and we are brothers and sisters... I will absolutely wrap a rope around you. I'll drag your dead body up there, and then we're going to resurrect that thing. (laughs) Because the word says that you shall live and not die and declare the word of the Lord. And I declare life over this house in the name of Jesus. 
So I just think that we need to step into the cloud this morning. <laughs> we need to come to the altar and allow some things to be burnt up and slayed. Anybody just feel like some things just need to be slayed in the spirit? It's that old wineskin. He's wanting to renew. He's wanting to renew to return you to original purpose and design. And it's not about a one-time repentance prayer. He's not even, he's already said he's forgotten your sin. But he's saying, let's work out a few of the details. Let's work out a few more. And if you've got things that you sin, you need to lay on the altar, then do that. And he will cast it into the depths of the sea. He will not keep record of that wrong. That's us as human beings. We do that to each other. But that's not his way. So would you just find your way to the altar this morning? And I believe as we come to the altar, because the altar was up, remember, that we are ascending into the cloud. So can we just spend a few moments allowing him to work on our oil, skin, so that we can receive the new wine. Let's just allow him to do that. And if your neighbor is hesitant and you feel just so, just be like, I'm wrapping this rope around. You coming with me. We want to thank you for listening in today. At The Well, we believe in cultivating a culture for more of God. Wherever you are in your relationship and walk with God, we believe that there is always more for those who diligently seek after him. If you would like to find out more, please check out our website at thewellmichigan.com and connect with us on social media.